Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.56 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 22nd of July, 2021, and this is episode 460 of Bitcoin. And McAfee's Dead Man Switch website just updated with an image of the Quaidu Diamond Mine in Sierra Leone, owned by Quaidu Holdings, subsidiary of OCTEA, owned by BSGR Group, founded by Benny Steinmetz, an Israeli born with ties to George Soros and Alan Dershowitz. Katie Hopkins, I have no idea who this chick is, and I have no idea that there was a Dead Man Switch website from John McAfee, but apparently apparently it's tweeted out or or has updated the website with a picture of these mines, and apparently a couple of actual, you know, like a, a, a play... What am I trying to say? Like a, a little map tag of a posi- like it's a position on the map of like go here or something like that. So the bizarreness of John McAfee does not end with his death, apparently. So just, we shall see what the hell comes out of this. Uh, that's I mean, did he bury a box with with evidence on Hillary Clinton or something like that? Who knows? It's John McAfee. The dude is crazy whether he's alive or dead, apparently. Let's move on with... <laughs> when when Brian Armstrong is not calling the cops on his customers for checking their uh, Ethereum accounts, he's supporting Dogecoin. Coinbase Commerce adds support for Dogecoin payments. Oh, Jesus. God. Danny Nelson uh, tells us just a blurb about it from Coindesk. Coinbase's e-commerce platform has begun accepting Dogecoin payments. Announced on Twitter on Wednesday, the integration pledges Doge alongside Bitcoin and a handful of other shitcoins and is one of only a handful of Coinbase's e-commerce's supported cryptos. It will add fuel to the resurgent meme coins bid for crypto payments. Coinbase Commerce allows online merchants to accept cryptocurrencies. This year, billionaire Mark Cuban began taking Dogecoin for Dallas Mavericks merch. Elon Musk is also accepting Dogecoin as launch payments on an upcoming SpaceX mission. So Brian Armstrong, diving deep, deep down the shitcoin hole. Oh, and like I said, man, if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, uh, Brian Armstrong called the cops on his Ethereum Uh, one of his Ethereum customers for checking his accounts. It was that dipshit that went to North Korea in full view of the United States State Department thinking he was going to be able to just walk back into the United States without having, oh, I don't know, charges of treason filed against him. Some of these people are just not all that bright. Ah, good God. Alabama. Alabama regulators suggest BlockFi's Bitcoin accounts are unregistered securities. 
BlockFi is back in the news after financial regulators in the state of Alabama claimed that the crypto company's Bitcoin savings accounts are securities. Alabama is the second state to lock horns with the firm after the Attorney General of New York ordered the company to stop accepting new customers. Regulators in Alabama have taken a slightly different approach, however. Instead of forcing the company to halt operations for Alabamans, the Alabama Securities Commission has issued a show cause notice. In it, Director Joseph Borg has ordered BlockFi to explain why they should not be directed to cease and desist from selling unregistered securities in Alabama. This language indicates that the ASC, like regulators in New Jersey, view BlockFi's high-interest crypto savings accounts, called BlockFi interest accounts, as unregistered securities offerings. These accounts can earn users up to 8.5% on their crypto holdings, including Bitcoin and other shitcoins. The product's popularity has also ranked in nearly 15 bill or what raked in nearly 15 billion dollars for BlockFi, according to local reports. The company was quick to fire back on Twitter, saying, "Quote: The BlockFi interest account is not a security, and that the firm is aware of the latest show cause notice. The crypto company has 28 days to respond to the notice." So, yesterday. I told you about the whole New Jersey news, and today we got Alabama following suit in a different way. Tomorrow will probably be Texas. I'm just saying, man, I w this whole BlockFi thing has just gotten into, has just turned into a, a freaking shit show. So if for whatever reason you want to do business with some, some people that are seem to me to be way above board, go down to Unchained Capital in Austin, Texas and talk to them about their services because this whole BlockFi thing is just a, it's just a dumpster fire, man. Now, <clears throat> Helen Parts has this one from Cointelegraph. Bank of Russia begs stock exchanges to not list crypto-related firms. Well, she says asks, but it looks to me like, it sounds to me like Russia's begging, absolutely begging about this. As global currency, uh, com cryptocurrency companies <clears throat> increasingly consider going public, the Russian central bank has officially recommended local exchanges avoid crypto-related listings. The Bank of Russia issued an information letter on July 19th asking Russian stock exchanges to stay away from listings of foreign and local companies involved in a broad range of crypto services. <clears throat> the central bank elaborated that local exchanges should not list stocks issued by companies whose business relies on crypto market prices, including digital financial assets outside Russia, crypto tracking indexes, as well as crypto derivatives and crypto funds. The Bank of Russia also recommended asset managers to exclude these instruments and mutual funds. The bank emphasized that stock exchanges should particularly avoid providing exposure to these investment services to non-accredited investors. That's right, keeping the poor poor. Quote, the Bank of Russia's recommendation aims to at a preventative measure. They are designed to present a mass investor adoption of such instruments, the bank stated in an official notice on Thursday. The recommendations do not apply to central bank digital currencies, however, and authorized digital assets issued in Russia, Russia, the statement reads. The central bank went on to say that cryptocurrencies and digital assets are associated with, you guessed it, high volatility, opaque price discovery, low liquidity, as well as technology and regulation-related risks. Quote, 
Purchases of financial instruments linked to such assets entail increased risks of losses for people who do not have ex sufficient experience and knowledge, the bank added. Well, okay, that's actually not all that far off the mark, honestly. The Bank of Russia's latest move further showcases the institution's reluctance to embrace the cryptocurrency industry, echoing similar restrictions in countries like, oh, China. As previously reported, the Russian central bank has been withholding major local banks uh, like Tinkoff from offering cryptocurrency trading. So that just sounds to me like they're begging. It also sounds to me like they're kind of scared. And when when you've got somebody backed into a corner, it doesn't matter what size they are, whether they're big or small, that's when they become the absolute most dangerous of animals is when they're backed into a corner. So we're getting there, guys. We're, we're, we're getting there. Um, the, I mean, Russia's central bank asking not to list crypt, uh, cryptocurrencies. Man, that's telling. I'm sorry, that just is. That's telling. So going to moving on to the European Union. No, the European Union is not banning anonymous crypto wallets. Well, this is apparently this is out of CoinDesk and David Z. Morris. In a series of shocking statements early yesterday, European Commission regulators <clears throat> declared that they were, quote, banning anonymous cryptocurrency wallets as part of a money laundering crackdown. <coughs> This understandably sent crypto markets tumbling, but they quickly recovered, apparently, as it became clear the EU had woefully misrepresented the substance of the proposed regulation. The crypto provisions, the PDF, was part of a package of four proposals intended to fight money laundering. In a tweet thread summarizing the proposed rules, Married McGinnis, the EU Commissioner for Financial Services, wrote that the measure, quote, will ban anonymous crypto wallets and make sure that crypto asset transfers are traceable, end quote. If that sets your hair on fire, take a deep breath. I try not to use the F word, this being a family publication, but this is one of the rare appropriate instances. The statement from McGinnis is straight up FUD. Rather than ban a ban on, a, on crypto wallets, the EU rules would impose tighter but defensible rules on money service providers such as exchanges and custody services. Either McGinnis and her communications team misspoke out of genuine ignorance when describing the new rules to the public, or they knowingly obfuscated as a way to misdirect public perception. As Tim Copeland at The Block pointed out, the new rules would be very similar to the travel rule guidelines from the Multinational Financial Action Task Force. The rules prohibit providing anonymous services, such as crypto custody or exchange accounts, provided by a third party, not the provision of software for self-custody. In short, the ban would impact the crypto equivalent of Swiss bank accounts, not the use of crypto as cash. So if you're willing and able to self-custody, which you should really be doing anyway, you can still hold and spend crypto anonymously unless you do commit a crime, then that anonymity probably won't last long. Banning anonymous wallets would be a truly terrifying goal because nearly every cryptocurrency wallet is anonymous by default in the same sense that every web browser is anonymous by default. Wallets like McCrypto, Exodus, and Electrum are software available for download worldwide. The notion of banning anonymous crypto wallets, in other words, implies an utterly draconian crackdown 
involving raids on server farms, hosting wallet code, SWAT teams battering down the doors of DeFi, DGENs, basement apartments, and developers on trial for helping people move data around. Unsurprisingly, many news outlets reported McGinnis's statements without examining them. Some even, even further distorted the essence of the new rules, such as the Irish Times' laughable declaration that the EU would ban cryptocurrency anonymity full stop. In the face of such credulous headlines, crypto prices briefly swooned, with Bitcoin dropping below 30K, <clears throat> but the ship righted itself quickly and BTC surged back to above 31,500 by this morning. That could have been for any number of reasons, but it's reasonable to guess the resurgence came as traders figured out that the EU was not, in fact, banning anonymous crypto wallets. It's a mix-up that drives home the point that cryptocurrency regulation is too often being created by people who know next to nothing about the tech. McGinnis also justified the new regulations by leaning hard on the idea that cryptocurrency is a huge new money laundering threat, which simply isn't true. At the same time, it does seem improbable that a high-ranking EU commissioner with a staff mostly of adult professionals could get something so basically wrong. <laughs> so here's the alternative explanation for the real politic crowd. The EU knows it cannot ban anonymous crypto wallets, but by obfuscating the difference between custodial wallets and self-custody software, they may hope they can mislead some portion of the public into thinking that custodial accounts are the only kind that exist. So if you were listening to the show yesterday, I told you about the actual statement, you know, when, when it had first dropped out and uh, said a few things about it then. <clears throat> and this guy seems to, you know, he seems to have a better head on his shoulders about what's going on than, than this woman does. So, yeah, like I said yesterday, you're not banning my cold card, dude. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And if it even looks like it might be happening, I'm just going to order 10 of them and I'll be set and my children's 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 will be set for life. I, won't, I mean, I can generate any number of addresses with a single cold card and as long as, as, long as I've got the ability to recover any one of those 24-word uh, passphrases, then I can recover any number of the wallets that I created off of a single cold card or a single treasure or a single ledger. Pick your poison, all right? So, yeah, it, 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 <clears throat> I would guess that she was purposely obfuscating the truth just to make people, because that's all they got at this point. You can't fight Bitcoin. You just can't. It's not a physical thing that you can go in and bomb. You can't shoot at it. <clears throat> you can't arrest it. You can't do anything. So we're going to find out who the liars are. And it's going to happen this decade, man. It's going to be nice, except for this dude. Elon Musk discusses the merits of Bitcoin and reveals that SpaceX holds BTC. God, he has more. more he's got more. God, shit. Bitcoin Magazine, Peter Chihuahua, tells us more. Bitcoin, or rather, billionaire Tesla CEO Elon Musk discussed Bitcoin during a live stream session of the B-Word event, saying that he supports and holds the original cryptocurrency, as does his aerospace company, SpaceX. Quote, Bitcoin has an open ledger, which is quite good, but transaction volume is low, transaction cost is high, no it's not, and usability for the average person is not yet very good, but has a lot of potential. But on balance, I support Bitcoin. I do own Bitcoin, and Tesla owns Bitcoin, and SpaceX owns Bitcoin. 
end quote, Musk said, while wearing a t-shirt that touted Bitcoin as the pinnacle of monetary evolution, by the way. Musk has made mixed public statements about Bitcoin in the past, calling himself a supporter, seeing Tesla purchase $1.5 billion worth of it, renouncing the ability of Tesla customers to make purchases in Bitcoin over misguided environmental concerns, and then walking those statements back somewhat. He also likes Doge. During the panel, Musk continued to tout alternative cryptocurrency projects like Ethereum and Doge, but also acknowledged that Bitcoin's throughput and scalability could be improved via layer two platforms like Lightning Network. He noted that Tesla is likely to resume Bitcoin payments as a higher proportion of miners utilize renewable energy sources. Quote, Bitcoin with a layer two system could scale to do a vast number of transactions. I want to do a little more diligence to confirm that the percentage of renewable energy usage in Bitcoin mining is most likely at or above 50%. And that there is a trend towards increasing that number. And if so, Tesla will resume accepting Bitcoin. Most likely Tesla would resume accepting Bitcoin, end quote. Okay, I'm gonna pause right there just to give Elon Musk the finger. What due diligence are you going to do? You don't trust Nick Carter. You don't trust the Mining Council. Okay, well, I don't trust the Mining Council either. Okay, I get that. But, I mean, there is, has been over the past three years, if not four years, any manner of report that will tell you that Bitcoin utilizes a very high percentage of renewable resources. So what are you going to do, Elon? You're going to walk walk all over the world and visit every single Bitcoin mining farm? Well, guess what? You can't because most of them, you know, a lot of the small ones, they don't want to be found. They're not going to tell you where they are. You can't do this. So I don't expect uh, Tesla to start accepting Bitcoin again anytime soon. Continuing on, he also noted <clears throat> that only significant assets he personally owns consists of stock in his companies, Bitcoin, Ether, and Doge, with Bitcoin being the largest and most profitable of his cryptocurrency holdings. Quote, if the price goes down, I lose money. I might pump, but I don't dump, Musk said. <laughs> Continuing, SpaceX, Tesla, and I own Bitcoin. The companies just own Bitcoin, and the Bitcoin I own is worth much more than the Ethereum or Doge. Musk was joined in the session, quote, uh, Bitcoin as a tool for economic empowerment. Oh, that's the, sorry, that was the name of the session. By Twitter and Square CEO Jack Dorsey, ARK Investment Management CEO Kathy Wood, and crypto, uh, or Square Crypto lead Steve Lee, who moderated it. Dorsey, who has been more consistently favorable towards Bitcoin in his public statements and work, highlighted Bitcoin's transformative nature as a currency that is global, permissionless, and native to the internet. Quote, when I saw Bitcoin in 2009, you see a chance to replace the whole foundation. It really just opens the aperture. And that is what I want to see in my lifetime as a currency that is standard and sound for the internet that everyone can use, end quote, he explained. Wood, whose firm has been stockpiling Bitcoin exposure this month, emphasized Bitcoin's current value propositions from an investment standpoint and the remarkable economic outlook of its development community. Quote, the store of value is a very big role and means of exchange with apps built on top of the Bitcoin blockchain we think are going to become more of a reality, Wood said, describing her positive outlook on BTC as an investment, as an investment comes from. Okay. Quote, <clears throat> I've had the honor of meeting Bitcoin core developers. They know economic history better than anyone I've ever met. <clears throat> Holy shit. 
Wow, that's kind of, that's kind of a hell of a statement right there. Interest in the panel was sparked when Musk agreed to participate with Dorsey via Twitter thread in June. Musk's attendance was confirmed by the B-Word on July the 19th. The B-Word was hosted by the Crypto Council for Innovation, a group formed with the intent of lobbying legislators and securing more support for cryptocurrency businesses. It was founded by Square, Fidelity, Coinbase, and Paradigm in April. So what does this say about Musk? <clears throat> he just flip-flops his opinion whenever he's, his feet are put to the fire. Is this the CEO you want running your company? No, it is not the CEO that you want running your company. You want somebody that makes a decision and stands by it. And he basically just flip-flopped. I mean, I watched maybe a minute of this particular session and none of the other sessions, by the way. I am so uninterested in going to a conference, in quotations, and watching people talk to me over a video stream from their living room. That's not a, that's not a conference. It's just not. It's It's... Might as well be telecommuting, dudes, anyway. Oh, 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 Greenlight by Blockstream. Check it out. Blockstream announces Greenlight Lightning Node Services. Nick Hoffman has it for Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin giant Blockstream announced their latest product today, which uses their cloud infrastructure to allow users to run a Lightning Node while maintaining control over their own keys per a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. For this product, the private keys never leave the user's personal device, assuring them that they always have full custody of their funds. Greenlight users will be able to access the device with ease through a simple programmable interface. It has been built on top of C-Lightning, which is an implementation of the Lightning Network that optimizes for performance and extendability. C-Lightning enables Greenlight to run more efficiently with low operating costs. Another cool feature about this product is that it saves users on-chain fees and reduces any fragmentation of funds because it enables the sharing of a single node among any number of front ends. Quote, getting started with Lightning can be a challenge for some, especially the more technical aspects like operating channels or creating backups and watchtowers, said Blockstream's core tech engineer, Christian Decker. As a result, many people prefer custodial services who manage the technical side for them, but do so at the cost of trusting the service operator with their private keys. At Blockstream, we think there's a better way with Greenlight, which lets users operate a node while also having control over their private keys in Bitcoin, leaving the intricacies of node operation up to the professionals. The release states that Greenlight is currently available through Sphinx and LastBit, but is planning for a greater public rollout after the initial beta phase. Quote, Greenlight <clears throat> hits the sweet spot for many users who want to get on Sphinx and Lightning, but don't have the time or ability to maintain their own node, said Paul Itoy, co-founder of Stackwork, who maintains Sphinx. For any Sphinx Greenlight users, we'll open a channel to your node so you can send and receive messages without moving around Bitcoin. Because Greenlight is so user-friendly, <coughs> excuse me, it could be a great way to onboard new users to the Lightning Network in a safe way that lets them hold their own keys. Greenlight also offers the feature to export nodes and load them on alternative platforms. Quote, Greenlight also aims to equip everyday developers and incentivize building Lightning-enabled apps by removing the barrier of having to be a node operator, stated the release. Blockstream says that users can expect a wide range of new features implemented in the short term, such as automatically proposing channels, liquidity rebalancing, and swap services while they roll green light out. 
users will be able to access the service free of charge. <coughs> so I wish that the art that Nick had written Sphinx chat instead of Sphinx. It, it wasn't until I, I hit Paul a toy that I realized that we're talking about Sphinx chat. That is awesome that, that Blockstream has teamed up with the guys over at Sphinx chat. Cause I remember when Sphinx chat started, it was tiny. I mean, it was just a tiny little thing, man. It was just a great, it was a great idea. And now they've hooked up with freaking Blockstream. This is probably going to be really, really cool. And honestly, I'm kind of hoping that they put Breeze into the uh, <clears throat> into the mix here soon, because Breeze has a podcasting app that supports podcasting 2.0, which <clears throat> you can stream me sats while I stream you this show on a minute over minute basis in a value for value transfer. So I'm hoping that that gets included in this particular thing. But honestly, <clears throat> I I like it. Hey, let's run the numbers. Flammable liquids on fire again. West Texas Intermediate is up 0.86 of a percentile point to $70.91. Brent North Sea is up likewise 0.84% to $72.84 a barrel, while natural gas has lost a quarter of a point down to $3.94 per thousand cubic feet. Gasoline on the rise 0.69% to the upside. $2.23 a gallon on that. Some of the shiny metal rocks not doing well, especially Peter Schiff's precious gold is down 0.43% and is back under $1,800, $1,795.50. Silver down likewise 0.67%, $25.08 per ounce. Platinum is up a half a point, copper is up over half a point, and palladium is up 1.19%. Agricultural futures are fairly mixed with wheat bottoming out 2.39% to the downside. Soybeans are down over one and a half point. Corn, <laughs> the corn is down 2.37%. And ooh, coffee, holy, oh dude, man, somebody made out like bandits on longing cotton uh, coffee yesterday. Dude, 9.26% to the upside. That's right. Coffee gained almost 10% on its futures price. Oh, 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 wow, dude. Somebody got rich. Dow futures up 0.16. S&P futures up 0.16. <clears throat> NASDAQ futures up 0.2. S&P mini up <clears throat> 0 0.2 as well. Let's talk about real money. I got Bitcoin at a price of $31,931. With over a quarter million transactions performed in the last 24 hours, that's just under 10,000 transactions every hour on the hour. With a half a million BTC being sent in the last 24 hours, that's about 18,600 BTC sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 1.87 BTC and a median transaction value holding steady at 0.024 BTC, which is about $767. Block times are almost 10 minutes, 9 minutes and 57 seconds, <clears throat> with 0.1 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 14.5 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. And with a 3.41% 
rise in hash rate, we are back to 97.29 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin, has gained, most likely because Elon opened his mouth again. It is now back to 19 cents. It should be 0.19 pennies. Clark Moody is showing, ooh, a scant 1,400 transactions waiting on one block to clear. Uh, we have almost gained, regained $600 billion of market cap, <clears throat> which is 5.08% of gold's entire market cap. And we can now buy 17.6 ounces of gold with uh, our one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,763,285.25 in circulation. And 1,934 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $61.5 million. That's being run over 12,859 nodes that we know about, representing 57,500 total channels that we can see. And the Tor capacity of the Lightning Network has hit yet another all-time high. 69.7% of the Lightning Network is now run over Tor, and that's being run over 7,522 nodes that we know about. By the way, Clark Moody has a showing a price of BTC at 31,795. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the snooze that you can use. We're going to kick this one off with Marie Hewlett uh, from Cointelegraph. Fund management firm Global X files with SEC for Bitcoin ETF. <laughs> By the way, this is probably going to be a shorter show than normal. So um, that's just the way it's probably going to roll out. We, we'll, we'll have to see. New York headquartered fund manager Global X Digital Assets filed an application for a Bitcoin exchange traded fund with the United States SEC. And it, they filed it yesterday. The application indicates that the proposal proposed Global X Bitcoin Trust, a Delaware statutory trust formed in mid-July of this year, would, if approved, <clears throat> trade on the CBOE BZX exchange. The Bank of New York Mellon would serve as the trust's administrator as per the filing, quote, the trust investment objective is to reflect the performance of the price of Bitcoin less the expenses of the trust's operation. The trust will not seek to reflect the performance of any benchmark or index, end quote. Investors in the fund or their authorized financial agents would receive Bitcoin from the trust through an unnamed BTC custodian. While unnamed, Global X indicates that the custodian is a limited pur purpose trust company authorized by the New York State Department of Financial Services to provide digital asset custody services. I bet you it's NIDIG, dude. The filing stipulates that the trust itself will not purchase or barring a liquidation or extraordinary circumstances described herein, sell Bitcoin directly, end quote. Global X Digital Assets, the trust sponsor, is affiliated with Global X Management Company, also known as Global X, and uh, Mirai Asset Global Investments. The latter, based in Seoul, South Korea, manages assets worldwide whose value exceeded $560 billion as of March 2021. Earlier this week, Greg King, CEO of Osprey Funds, argued that the high number of Bitcoin ETF applications in the United States earlier this year contributed to Bitcoin's extraordinary 2021 bull run. The SEC's persistent reluctance to approve a crypto ETF alongside hawkish regulatory remarks in the United States 
regarding various crypto assets like stable coins has <clears throat> for King played a role in the coin's subsequent price downturn. I don't agree, dude. King suggested that 2022 would be the earliest the U.S. regulators would approve a BTC ETF application. So there you go. Yet another one. This, I, I swear to God, this is like all the SEC has to do uh, every day now is file, you know, get another Bitcoin ETF from a United States uh, financial institution prepared. It's like that's all the SEC has been able to do. They can't do they can't do anything else because they keep having to file these things. It's amazing that they haven't approved at least one. I mean, shit, just pick G, just pick grayscale and just be damn done with it. And then wait a year for everybody else and that way you can make Barry Silver even richer than he already is. Come on, guys. Bitcoin mining firm Argo blockchain files for U.S. public offering. Yeah, as if, you know, it, yeah, it's a bear market. You know how I can tell? Because this is when all the shit gets done. Dude, it's just ongoing. Nobody, nobody who actually gives a shit about this space, and that's a lot, even is looking at the charts anymore. I mean, all they're doing is building mining operations, filing ETFs. They're going for the throat, y'all. So it may look like a bear market price-wise, but it's not. It's actually a bull market. You'll find this in no other space in the world. Bitcoin Magazine, Alex McShane tells us more. London-listed Bitcoin mining company Argo Blockchain has submitted a registration statement for an IPO in the United States market. Announced on Wednesday, the filing with the SEC indicates Argo is seeking to list on American depository shares, a commonly used mechanism by which public companies can expand to reach U.S. investors. The number of shares to be issued and their pricing is yet to be determined. Trading is expected to start in the third quarter of this year. All initial public offerings require SEC review and approval. Founded in 2018, Argo has since grown to become one of the largest and most efficient mine, bleh, God, Bitcoin mining operations powered by clean energy. <laughs> Just last month, Argo announced it had secured a $20 million loan from Galaxy Digital, putting up Bitcoin as collateral. The loan was made in order for Argo to expand their facilities while simultaneously allowing them to hold Bitcoin on the balance sheet. Further, the IPO listing comes after Green Ridge Generation Holdings went public in March through a merger with support.com. On March the 5th, Cypher Mining also announced that it would go public via a merger with Good Work Acquisition Corporation. Still, Argo is the largest among the mining firms that have since sought to go public in the United States, a group that includes Riot Blockchain and Marathon Patent Group. So yeah, these people are not looking at the charts. They're just not, they don't give a shit because they all know where this is going. It just depends on your time horizon, right? So let's continue on because 60% of uber-rich family offices are considering crypto or already own it, says Goldman Sachs. Samuel Haig writes it, Cointelegraph. <clears throat> A survey conducted by major investment bank Goldman Sachs has found that close to half of its family office clients want to add cryptocurrency to their portfolios, <clears throat> signaling the ultra-wealthy are becoming increasingly bullish on digital assets. The survey, reported by Bloomberg, queried more than 150 family offices worldwide and found 15% of them already own crypto assets or are somewhat exposed. A further 45% of the offices expressed interest in investing in the asset class as a hedge against higher inflation, 
prolonged low rates and other macroeconomic developments following a year of unprecedented global monetary and fiscal stimulus. However, other respondents cited concerns regarding the volatility and long-term uncertainty surrounding the price of cryptocurrencies as reasoning for their aversion to the asset class. Approximately 67% of the firm surveyed manage more than $1 billion worth of assets, with 22% of respondents boasting assets under management exceeding $5 billion. Bloomberg describes the business of family offices as managing the wealth and personal affairs of rich people, including the likes of Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates, former Google CEO Eric Schmidt, and Chanel owners Elaine and Gerard Wertheimer. Professional services firm Ernst & Young estimates that there are more than 10,000 family offices that each manages the financial affairs of only a single family, half of which were launched during the 21st century. The family office sector is estimated to manage more than six trillion dollars globally overshadowing the hedge fund industry let's say that again six trillion with a t globally goldman sachs mina flynn asserts that most of the firm's family office clients have expressed an interest in the digital asset ecosystem adding that many customers believe blockchain technology is going to be as impactful as the internet has been from an efficiency and productivity standpoint wow that's that's a lot of cash, dude. Six trillion dollars globally, over 10,000 family offices. That's kind of amazing, man. Carbon neutral hosting provider is to list on NASDAQ through a merger. Now, this is a Bitcoin magazine, Nomsios has it. Core Scientific, a carbon neutral provider of Bitcoin mining, hosting, and infrastructure, announced it has entered a merger agreement with publicly traded acquisition company power and digital infrastructure acquisition corporation quote we are pleased very pleased to support core scientific's transition to the public markets and believe that core scientific's vertical integration will provide a competitive advantage in the industry said ted, uh, ted bombach chairman of xpdi in the announcement the merger transaction values the combined company expected to operate as core scientific and remain publicly listed on the nasdaq at an implied pro forma, fully diluted enterprise value of approximately $4.3 billion. Additionally, it is expected to generate around $300 million in net cash proceeds at closing. The hosting and infrastructure provider shared <clears throat> that it expects to reinvest the transaction's proceeds into mining equipment and infrastructure as it seeks to expand its operations. But uh, <clears throat> although both companies' executives have approved the merger, it is still subject to regulatory approval. Yeah, well, you guessed it. The transaction is expected to be completed in the fourth quarter of this year, but some details still lack. The two companies are yet to file a Form 8K with the SEC, <clears throat> but XPDI said it plans to submit it today. Core Scientific is a carbon neutral provider of high performance infrastructure to power Bitcoin mining companies. It is also set to start venturing into self mining soon, TM, although a pending, uh, through a pending acquisition of Bitcoin mining company BlockCap. XPDI is a blank check company sponsored by XPDI sponsor and led by Energy and Power Transition Partners and XMS XPDI sponsor holdings. God, that's a mouthful. <clears throat> It specializes in mergers, asset acquisitions, reorganizations, or similar corporate combinations. 
Core Scientific is being advised by Evercore and Cooley LLP on financial and legal matters, respectively, and XPDI is being advised on financial capital and legal affairs by Barclays Capital, XMS Capital Partners, and Kirkland and Ellis LLP. Jeez, these guys are like got pulling out the heavy hitters, dude. So more green energy mining stuff on the way. You're not going to stop it. And look, as much as I like boiling lakes, rivers, and oceans, as much as any other hardcore Bitcoin maximalist, even I've got to admit, <clears throat> this shit is not going away. We can get as, we can point our fingers and we can laugh as much as, po- as humanly possible, but the green energy narrative is not going to go away. Now, with that said, think about it this way. Since it's not going to go away, and people are going to consistently bitch about it. At least these guys are here to, you know, say, okay, well, we'll do it. We don't all have to do it. They'll do it. Let them do it. I don't know. It's just however you want to look at it. The SEC chair hints that some stable coins are securities. Securities and Exchange Commission SEC chair Gary Gensler said cryptocurrencies whose price depends on more traditional securities might fall under securities laws. Speaking to the American Bar Association on Tuesday, Gensler said some platforms are offering crypto tokens that are priced off of securities and resemble derivative products. In his view, any security-based product will have to comply with trade reporting rules and other laws. Quote, make no mistake, it doesn't matter whether it's a stock token, a stable value token backed by securities or any other virtual product that provides synthetic exposure to underlying securities. These platforms, whether in the decentralized or centralized finance space, are implicated by the securities laws and must work within our securities regime. End quote. He warned that his agency may bring future enforcement actions as well, noting that, quote, we've brought some cases involving retail offering of security-based swaps, seemingly referring to a case the SEC brought against financial app Abra, which paid $300,000 in penalties on charges of selling security-based swaps to retail investors last year. Crypto exchange Binance also recently announced it was closing its stock token business, though technically U.S. customers should not have been able to access this service in the first place. Gensler didn't specify any tokens in his speech, but his remarks come amid increased regulatory scrutiny around digital assets, with stablecoins in particular popping up more and more in congressional hearings. Yesterday, Circle, the issuer of USDC, published a breakdown of the assets backing the stablecoin, In addition to cash, the token is backed by money market funds, commercial paper, corporate and municipal bonds, and certificates of deposits issued by foreign banks. God, they still have CDs? Holy shit. Some of these reserves, including the money market funds, bonds, and commercial paper, are currently treated as securities under U.S. law. Tether, the issuer of the world's largest stablecoin, USDT, has also said its reserves included investments in commercial paper and corporate bonds. Gensler is not alone in his view that stablecoins are backed by securities and should be treated as securities. U.S. Rep. Warren Davidson previously told Coindesk that it gets hard to say that such a stablecoin isn't itself a security. Quote, I think you could easily craft a stablecoin that meets a test that says, no, this is not a security, the lawmaker said. Stablecoins that are backed by securities should be regulated by the SEC, he admitted. So there you go on that one. Oh, they're protesting in El Salvador. Apparently a a group of people don't like Bitcoin in El Salvador. Who would have guessed? 
wonder who put it together. El Salvador Bitcoin Law has citizens protesting. Jose Antonio Lanz has it for decrypt. Despite a three-month ban on protests to ostensibly prevent the spread of COVID, a group of Salvadorans composed of leftist unions, student associations, and others gathered at the Legislative Assembly yesterday to protest the country's adoption of Bitcoin as its national currency. The group, organized by, quote, the, what was it? Oh, Block of Resistance and Popular Rebellion, that's the name of the group, used banners and slogans to demand that the so-called Bitcoin law, which makes it BTC legal tender and obligates businesses to accept it, be revoked. But the protesters, like an estimated 77% of Salvadorans, think it's a bad idea. <clears throat> Quote, it is a law that generates legal insecurity and that could be used to defraud users and also facilitate, you guessed it, money and asset laundering, said activist Idalia Zuniga. Another protester expressed her concerns about Bitcoin's price volatility. Quote, for those earning a minimum wage, in one moment you may have $300 in Bitcoin and the next day those $300 can turn into 50, she said, before pointing to BTC's price plunge from a high of 63500 in April to half of that today. <clears throat> the protesters' concerns are not new. Major regulators have pointed to scams and money laundering schemes involving Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as aspects holding digital assets back from global acceptance. Protesters can also rightfully grumble over how the law came into being as it's a reminder of President Nayib Bukele's control over all branches of the Salvadoran government. Despite the fact that a bill must normally go through a strenuous process of study, consultation, and adaptation, the Bitcoin law was approved in less than six hours from the time Bukele officially presented it to Congress. Although it has already been approved, the Bitcoin law stipulates a period of 90 days to become effective, <clears throat> meaning Salvadorans will be obligated to accept Bitcoin come September. Most aren't ready. A recent survey revealed that about 77% of the country's population rejects Bukele's Bitcoin law, and most of the country's remittance recipients and merchants would prefer to handle dollars rather than Bitcoin. The opposition party, which once counted Bukele as a member, has filed a lawsuit to prevent the implementation of the Bitcoin law. Yeah, that represents 1.2% of the legislative uh, uh, thing in, in El Salvador. That group is, is, almost not is almost completely unrepresented in the uh, El Salvadoran legislature. Anyway, so, so there you go, guys. There you go. Hey, man, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Can't let you go without a joke. Dad says jokes. How do two French guys share files electronically? Pierre to Pierre Network. It's Wednesday. <clears throat> if you're listening to this on uh, a regular podcasting app, you cannot stream me and support the show by streaming me sats. Uh, but you can on podcasting 2.0 apps such as the Breeze Wallet, which is not a sponsor of the show, but they have incentivized me to talk about their product. Why? Because if you listen to the show over in the Breeze Wallet on their podcasting app inside the actual wallet itself, you can stream me Satoshi's while I stream you this show on a minute over minute basis for a value for value transaction. And we're gonna see more of that. So. Uh, the but the, the faster we see more of that, the better, and the faster it gets there means that people like you guys 
need to get the Breeze Wallet or Sphinx Chat app or something like that. There's uh, actually quite a few uh, other podcasting apps that now support Podcasting 2.0, but the sats that you do stream me stream right into my Lightning Network. Uh, my God, Network, having a hell of a morning, guys. My Lightning Node, which is sitting right by me. Oh, by the way, did y'all see the uh, Umbral uh, retweet or the Umbral tweet of Elon Musk with a statement that said most people are just not smart enough to run a node? There's like 700 pictures of nodes in that in that thread, man. If you find it on Twitter today, make sure you retweet it and make sure that Elon Musk knows that no, every single human being on the face of the planet Earth is not a freaking moron. It is not that difficult to run a node. Run your full node today and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.